Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Randy Kennedy Podcast. I am iHeartRadio's Randy Kennedy, and my guest today is EJ Jr., one of the newest members of the College Football Hall of Fame, just named to the College Football Hall of Fame. He joined me and my partner, Craig Stevenson, on iHeartRadio this week and had a really great interview I wanted to share with you guys. EJ Jr. played at Alabama, was a 1980 unanimous first-team All-American. He led Alabama to two national championships in 1978 and 1979. His overall record at Alabama, 44-4, and including a 28-game winning streak. All four of his Alabama teams finished in the top six in the country. He was already in the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl Hall of Fame and the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, and now... He is going into the College Football Hall of Fame. I think you'll enjoy this interview about his time of uh, getting to Alabama, his career there, his career in the NFL, and a really funny story about his name, EJ Jr., how he got that name and uh, naming his son. I think you'll really enjoy that. I started off by asking him about uh, going into the College Football Hall of Fame and just how he found out about the great honor. I think you'll enjoy listening to my special guest, EJ Jr., Actually, uh, there was a, a box mailed to me. Uh, my son picked it up. He, that's EJ Junior. the four, and he said, "Dad, there's a package for you." And I'm like, "I'm like, I haven't ordered anything." I said, "It must be for you because he's always ordering stuff off of Amazon and Prime." And he said, "No, I haven't ordered anything either." So he gave it to me, and I saw NFL on the top of it. Um, and in the process of opening the box, I looked at it, and it says EJ Junior. And then it says December the 8th, 2020, and that was my birthday. And I'm like, wait a minute, but 2020, that hasn't even gotten here yet. Uh, so I looked at it again, and it says I've been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And I'm like, are you kidding? And I just gave all the praise to God. So uh, I'm just blessed and honored. All right, so uh, just to recap, I know people remember the name EJ Jr., but uh, your accomplishments at Alabama, just incredible. Three-time all SEC, 1980, unanimous first team All American, which not many people get unanimous recognition as an All American. National champion, 78 and 79. You guys won 28 in a row. Uh, all four years, you finished at least in the top six in the country. As I mentioned, Senior Bowl Hall of Famer, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, uh, and then going on to the NFL. But let's talk about that college career. Um, tell me about how you got to Alabama. You, high school in Nashville, is that right? Yes, I went to high school in Nashville, Tennessee. How'd you get How'd you get to Alabama? Uh, actually, I was being recruited heavily by a lot of schools, including Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And uh, Coach Bryant called my mother one day. And when she called, I was at home doing homework. And she says, well, Coach Bryant's on the phone uh, waiting for you. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to Coach Bryant. And she looked over her glasses and kind of gritted her teeth and said, you're going to talk to this man. <laughs> so I, I got on the phone and I said, hello, Coach, how you doing? He says, you know, EJ, I know you've heard a lot of good things about Alabama, a lot of bad things about Alabama. He says, I'm going to promise you two things. 
And I says, what is that, Coach? He says, I'm going to promise you that you're going to get a quality education. I kind of thought to myself, you know, I can get that anywhere. He says, he says, well, the other thing is is that I can't promise you if you come to Alabama, you'll play. I can't promise you if you come to Alabama that you'll start. He says, but if you come to Alabama, I guarantee I'm going to work your tail off. And I just hesitated. And I said, keep talking, Coach, because everybody always talks about, oh, you know, you'll come in and you'll be able to start and you'll be able to come all SEC and all that. I'm like, I don't know that. Nobody knows what I'm capable of doing. I don't even know what I'm capable of doing. And so I got a chance to talk to Coach. And Coach Kid Donahue was my personal recruiter. And I love the man from, you know, for everything that he's done for me, and you know, God rest his soul. Uh, and he said, "Gosh, dang it, we just we just want you to come to Alabama, just see what we're all about." Baby. And and he always kind of talked fast, but he was straightforward, always shot from the hip. And I took a visit to Alabama uh, on the weekend. There was no games, no basketball game, no Bama Bells, no big recruiting weekend. And I fell in love with the campus, and I just felt like I was purpose to be there. And uh, the rest is history. Right, so why were you uh, hesitant to talk to Coach Bryant to start with? Excuse me? Why were you hesitant to talk to Coach Bryant with that first call? Well, part of it is, is that when I was a young man growing up, you know, that was still back in the time of you still were going through, you know, segregation and desegregation. Uh, you couldn't drink from certain water fountains. And I remember George Wallace standing on the steps uh, of the uh, president's mansion over there by Rose Tower, and he said, a black man will never walk on this campus. And I said, that is a very racist school. And I think I was eight o'clock, eight, eight years old at the time. And, you know, things change and, and history changes. And when I look back at it, you know, there's purpose in everything. And, you know, God, uh, God gave Coach Bryant the vision to, to bring on, you know, African-American athletes. And he reached out to me after, you know, you had guys like, uh, uh, Sylvester Cruel, and you had uh, Woodrow Lowe, and you had guys like John Mitchell, uh, and those those type of guys who, who led the way for me to be able to get a chance to, to come to Alabama. And so I was hesitant, but I think it was also purposed. We're talking to EJ Jr., who is a 1980 unanimous All-American at Alabama, now being recognized, being inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, looking at your record when you were there, I guess you guys probably lost four games in or four games in four years, if I'm not mistaken. Got to be pretty similar to what those players are experiencing now in terms of success. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't have extra uh, playoff game in there, but right. uh, we were the first team to go 44 and four until Coach Dollar's team in '92 went 45 and um, four. Uh, so it was a great honor. You know, we only lost four games, lost to Southern Cal. Nebraska, we lost to Georgia Tech and Mississippi State my senior year. So it, it, it's a phenomenal record, and it, uh, it was a great group of guys, great group, group of coaches, uh, great support staff, uh, and everybody made it possible for us to be successful. You were on the team in 78 uh, you know, that had the famous goal line stand against Penn State. What was your perspective while all that was going on, and did you realize at the time that, man, this is something that people are going to talk about for a long time? Well, I mean, the game in itself was a, a great game. One versus two, Penn State versus Alabama, you know, Joe Paterno and, and Bear Bryant. So it had a lot of history going on with it, uh, just to be in that game 
and play. I was I was slightly injured. Was playing with a hamstring injury, uh, but uh, it, it was it was a good game to compete. And then I remember Marty Lyons talking about uh, gut gut check, and that was my first spring there. Uh, and and a gut check is a, a 120 plus play scrimmage. Hmm. You don't know how long you're gonna be in there, and how long Coach Brown's gonna be. You know, let you be in there and take you out and. Uh, that was my first one because I played a little baseball there and uh, survived it and, and went on to do some great things. And actually, at one time I was going to quit uh, because I thought he brought me back to embarrass me and everything. Uh, and he looked at me and he says, you, when I brought you here, you were a leader. He says, and just because you were a freshman doesn't mean that you can't be a leader. And I took that upon myself as a, a mantra because we had guys like Marty Lyons, Barry Krause, Murray Lays, Mike Kramer, Rick Gillian, Dewey Mitchell. I mean, you had those kind of guys on your team. So when, when we got to that goal line stand, and he looked at uh, Chuck Fusina, and he says, I think you better pass. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know it would go down in history the way that it did, but uh, it was a great goal line stand, great hit by Barry Krause and Rich Wingo, and a great uh, surge by the defensive line with uh, – you know, Martin Lyons, Byron Braggs, Curtis McGriff. I'm coming from the outside. Murray Legs coming from the other side. So um, it, it's, it's history. I always tell those kids, our kids I got a chance to participate in that play. I think if they had passed, they would have scored, though. <laughs> <laughs> they should have taken it. You seen it, should have taken that advice. <laughs> yeah, I think they should listen to Marty. <laughs> uh, EJ, when, so when you got to Alabama, so it, it was it was rocky in the beginning. Just talk me through when you got to campus and how long before you realized that it was a good decision. You were going to have a, a star-studded career. Well, I never thought that it would be you know uh, a star-studded career. I just went there to compete. You know, I got there as a freshman. I didn't anticipate playing because you had guys like like I said, Barry Krause. You had uh, Rick Gillian, Dewey Mitchell. Those guys were playing linebackers. So I got moved from linebacker to tight end to wide receiver behind Ozzie Newsome to safety with Mike Kramer and Murray Lays. And we had Ricky Tucker was an incoming freshman, like myself, to running back. And we actually got to a point where we played Nebraska. And we lost in Nebraska, I think it was either 31 to uh, 24 or 35 to 28, something like that. And Coach Bryant came into that meeting room, first time I have ever experienced a loss in Alabama. Uh, and he says, hell, I can take two freshmen and put them in defensive end and do better than what we did. So he took me and he took John Morrow. And John's from South Bend, Indiana. So you take a Notre Dame guy and you take a guy from Nashville, Tennessee, where he was from Vanderbilt, and you start him against Vanderbilt in the uh, SEC competition. And I probably graded my worst game, but that was the beginning of my career. And it was just you had great groups of guys playing, so you were competing. I think we competed against each other more than we competed against other teams. So if you were prepared against each other in practice, playing the game became easy. So you won two national championships, three SEC championships. Was one team you played on at Alabama better than the others, or uh, is that hard to say? Uh, who they all had their own specific uh, uniqueness. I still think we got ripped off my freshman year when they jumped Notre Dame from fifth to first. So to this day, I still despise Notre Dame <laughs> uh, because when you're number two, you beat you beat 
you know, you beat Ohio State town, and number one loses, number two loses, you would think that, okay, number three becomes number one. Uh, but they they did jump uh, Texas, I mean, uh, Notre Dame from fifth to first because they beat uh, Earl Campbell in them. But uh, I think all four teams were unique. I think my senior year we we shut down teams to 92 points in a season. The, six, the, the 79 team, which was undefeated, held teams to 67 points. We didn't give up a lot of points. Great defensive games, you know, offenses that could score, you know, even in those those nail-biting games. And, uh, you know, Coach Bryant, his staff uh, did a great job to get us prepared each week to go out and play. And uh, really, I wish we could have won four national championships because my senior year, I wish I would have loved to play it against Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yeah, it's crazy. You never played against Herschel, right, even though you were a contemporary no, I actually didn't play against Herschel until actually my eighth year in the NFL. Wow, really? <laughs> uh, you know, he was with the Dallas Cowboys then, and we played him on a Monday night game. It was my first time ever playing against him. And you just couldn't get – the one thing I will admire about Herschel Walker, you just – I've never seen anybody get a solid shot on him. I've asked Mike Singletary, you know, LT, you know, Hugh Green, good friends of mine, to – no, you just didn't get a solid shot on Hershey. So I think that would have been a challenge for our Alabama defense, but I th- still think we could have beat Georgia that year. EJ Jr., the third, one of the uh, new members of the College Football Hall of Fame. Getting the NFL, you were with the Cardinals to start out with, and I know those teams weren't great. But towards the end of your career there, you got to play for Coach Stallings, and we all know him as a college coach, but what was the experience like playing for him in the NFL? It's like playing for Coach Bryant, son. <laughs> uh, first time first time I met him, he was sitting in his office and uh he was just new there. Uh went to his office, he was looking at some film and I walked in, knocked on the door and he said, Come on in and I said I sounded like the old man. I'm like, Yeah, oh this is creepy And he says, E J what bothers you about what happened in the season last year? And I'm like well, we just didn't play up to our potential. There were too many, you know, games that we gave away, not enough turnovers on defense. He said, that's absolutely correct. I'm talking to the old man. <laughs> I said, you know, when he turned around, I'm like, I wanted to ask him, I said, are you Coach Bryant's son? I said, because you <laughs> so much alike in the, the, the way that they talk. But uh, I have a lot of admirations for Coach Stalin. Uh, it's hard for me to call it Coach by his first name, but uh, I think I've gotten to a point now that I'm 60. 60 years old that I call him Gene, but uh, he he taught the game. You know, he came from a successful Dallas Cowboy program, and you know, it never turned out the way that we wanted to to be. But uh, it was it was a great relationship, and that carried over when the '92 team came to Miami, and I was working with um, the uh, playing for the Dolphins, and got a chance to to see them play, you know, against Colorado. And then the following year, I was supposed to actually be at the Sugar Bowl when they played Miami in the national championship game. And my roommate sidetracked me, and I ended up getting married to my, my current wife, who's the Alabama graduate. <laughs> well, as, as, as good as Gene Stallings was to his players, he was just as good to the media. Craig and I both had great experiences with Gene Stallings. So he's a great guy all the way around. Yes, he is. And, you know, his son, John Mark, who was very vital to, you know, a lot of the things that we've learned about life and, you know, his love for family and football. And and that's part of the things that I've carried in my coaching career, you know, uh, faith, family, football, and trying to finish. So you're the fifth overall pick in the NFL, two-time Pro Bowlers, long career in the NFL. 
after you got done, as you said, you went into coaching, but also became an ordained minister. Is that right? Yes, I'm still I'm still ordained, and uh, it's that my ministry has never been in four walls. And I really believe that it's part of, partly tied to football, trying to help develop young men to be the foundations in their household, because uh, that's what all the coaches and that's what God has taught me that the cornerstone of your household is the husband or the father. And I try to teach that through the game of football. And that's why I say it's faith. you got to put family before football because that's all that for you to be successful as a team, you have to be a family. And then you have to finish because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So if you have faith in the beginning, Jesus is the finisher of your faith. And whatever you start, you need to finish. So you are E.J. Jr. the third, which means your father was E.J. Jr. Jr. and your grandfather was E.J. Jr. Sr. I guess that's maybe led to some humorous situations over the years. Well, yes, and I wanted to name E.J. the fourth F.S., but nobody, you know, my wife kind of frowned on that. She said, why would you get him F.S.? I said, well, we could call him freshman sophomore. And he'd be freshman sophomore junior. And he'd be after him, he'd be freshman sophomore junior senior. And of course, your son would have to have a son and play along with your uh, with your naming, right? In order so he could become yeah. a senior. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, man. That that is that's pretty good, EJ. Uh, so, talk to me about when your playing career was over. Did you know you wanted to go into coaching? And uh, just take me through your post playing days. I actually was playing with the Seattle Seahawks uh, in '93. I tore up my knee playing against uh, the San Diego Chargers on a sack. I sacked John Freeze, but blew my knee out in the process um, and tried to rehab to come back for the 1994 season. And the defensive coordinator at that time, which was Rusty Tillman, says, what do you plan on doing now that you, you're not able to play? I says, well, I really hadn't thought about it. He says, have you ever thought about going into coaching? Because basically we brought you here to be a coach to our young linebacker. And I says, no, but I mean, I'm interested. So I got a chance to work a full season uh, as the linebacker coach uh, with the Seahawks and, you know, trying to teach the players film study, you know, going over the little details and things like that. And unfortunately, as a staff, we were fired, and I didn't have the networking skills nor the ties to a lot of people in the, the league to try to get another job. So I kept beating on doors and things like that. It didn't happen immediately. Uh, from that point, I got into administration with the uh, Miami Dolphins as a director of player development. And I, I enjoyed doing that for a couple of years. Uh, left the Dolphins and ended up, again, uh, working with the Miami Dade school system as with the 5,000 Role Models of Excellence Project as a director of, of outreach overseeing uh, 20 uh, high schools, middle schools, and elementaries in South Florida. But that itch to get back on the field just just burned in me, and I did a couple of internships, one with the Minnesota Vikings and one with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and actually put in for uh, some opportunities, just never got the, door, the opportunity to get my foot in the door, and then coached over in NFL Europe with the Ryan Fires, their linebacker coach. Uh, it was a coach named Jack Peavy who played with the Denver Broncos <coughs> who actually gave me the first opportunity to coach college football. And he brought me in during the spring to do spring practice and 
uh, I loved doing what I did, and I got hired as a linebacker coach. And then the next year, I ended up moving up to D, being the defensive coordinator. Two years later, Kellen Winslow hires me as the head coach of Central State. Did that for six years, and then went to uh, Delaware State uh, as their defensive line coach and, and director of player development. And, uh, that ended in February of 2018. So I've been working with my son's high school team a little bit, you know, just to keep my my sanity a little bit, but I'm still uh, looking to be a, a college football coach or possible job in the NFL or the XFL somewhere. There you go. That is my conversation this week with EJ Jr. along with my partner Craig Stevens, and I hope you enjoyed that. EJ Jr., one of the newest members of the College Football Hall of Fame. Come back with us next week. We'll have another edition of the Randy Kennedy Podcast here on iHeartRadio. See you.